This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Hi, I'm Carrie Sirik, the Associate Editor for Wark Strategy, and welcome to today's episode of Wark Talks, the crypto winter and the implications for marketers. With me today are Carrie Tiltz, co-founder of the Web3 Marketing Association and also the Chief Strategy and Operations Officer for Frameplay, and David Wallace, also co-founder of the Web3 Marketing Association, longtime digital specialist, as well as founder of the agency MND+. Today we'll be delving into the current state, or current chaos as it is, of crypto. So welcome, Carrie and David. And just a side note, David might leave us midway through this, so don't think we kicked him out. So welcome, welcome both. So glad to have you two. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. What I, but I wanted, what I want to do is I want to start off with some pretty stunning data points, um, just about crypto in general, because I think we miss a lot of this detail. We just think, oh, crypto, shiny object. But let's let's drop some numbers and then go from there. So. There's 6,500 different cryptocurrencies, which is mind-blowing. Um, the sector has been in a very weird state um, since really last fall. In November, we saw the sector drop from a $3 trillion overall um, valuation to $1.3 trillion. That's a big, big dump. Um, and then there was May and the bloodbath that was May. $20 billion erased in the market in one day, um, Coinbase falling 78%, the meltdown with Terra and then Luna, with Luna losing 99% of its value. But the the plus to this is that Bitcoin seems to be rebounding a bit. So we are seeing a little bounce back, you know, into better days. So, you know, what I want to get to first here is Everything in Web3 is, is very nascent right now and constant state of change and growth. And for us here today, we might not have all the answers to the questions that we'll pose because I don't think a lot of people have all those answers. So what I want to ask, first of all, is with, you know, with the, the crypto, I don't know if we want to say crisis or, you know, maybe we do. What does this mean for marketers? Like, has there been any major fallout between the crypto side of the house, the true dollar finance crypto side, and then anyone that they have been working with from a brand perspective, an agency perspective? Like, how did this crash affect marketers? So, I, I mean, I think it's, a, it's such a good question. But I, I, for me, this feels like, you know, we wind back, back the clock to... Um, the year 2000 when we had the dot-com crash. So, you know, the dot-com years were all about massive, massive growth around uh, technology, huge amounts of money going into, you know, the early web technologies. And, you know, a lot of that driven by marketing itself. And I think, you, you know, the reality was that when the time came to kind of say, well, what's the value? There was no value whatsoever. And it sort of feels like we're back in that early stage of uh, Web3 development where we've kind of been through that whole big wave of of kind of exponential growth. I mean, just huge growth. I mean, you're, the figures you're talking about, is just absolutely shocking. I think, you know, you talked about Lunar and Terra. I was reading that, you know, 
that they've lost more money than the whole Bernard Madoff scandal. You know, so we're talking massive, massive figures. But the reality is, is we're in a nascent market, as you kind of describe it. And I, I actually think that, you know, for many marketeers, they haven't even kind of caught their breath around, you know, how do we kind of get in? How do we make sense of all of this stuff? And I think we're now going to be in a period of kind of introspection where companies have a bit of time to really get their heads around what's kind of going on. And I think, you know, the reality is there's massively interesting things going on um, because, you know, at its heart, Web3 is about essentially building more infrastructure, decentralized infrastructure, and taking the power away from a few big technology companies and putting it into the hands of, of everybody at the end of the day. So I think, you know, for me, this, this, this sort of past few months is really about reckoning. I mean, we can boil it down to, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, through COVID, people had more time at home. So what did you see? You saw a massive rise in, in people trading at home. So Robinhood sort of threw, saw their numbers go through the roof. You then saw more and more people starting to deal in crypto. Then you had this proliferation of coins. Like, I mean, who can make sense of 3,600 coins? You know, who can, add, and, but people started making money on that. And, you know, unfortunately, the human species is a herd species. So we all kind of rushed into the market without, you know, I think for many of us really understanding about what that market was. And then, you know, you had this sort of weird kind of, I guess, arbitrage thing where, you know, not only could you invest in things like crypto, but you could make interest on that crypto. So, you know, on the Luna Terra thing, which was, what was fascinating was you had the Anchor Protocol and people could make up to 20% returns on their investment. You go, well, that just, how does that make sense? Do you know, how can, and, it, you know, I, I don't like to use the word Ponzi scheme, but I think, you know, there was a degree of this was all about a kind of, and so it was driven by greed rather than a true understanding about what these technologies offer. And I think, you know, for many marketeers, you know, we can talk about brands and I think, you know, I mean, honestly, the brands in the crypto space are all the same. They all look very similar. You know, it's one of the things Carrie and I have talked about as part of the Web3 is actually, you know, there's a big job to be done to take a lot of these technology companies and talk, talk to them about kind of how to build better brands and what that kind of means. But, you know, at the end of the day, I sort of feel that that whole, the whole of the last few years has been driven by prospecting rather than intelligence. And I think we're now at that point where intelligence is going to take over. That, that's great. I, I just, I want to, I want to pick at one thing that you said. There's, there seems to be a lot of, uh, not a lot, there seems to be a lack of confidence flowing through the ecosystem now for the tech sector. You're seeing a lot of governmental, you know, intervention and things like that. Do you think that the that that piece that lower confidence had anything to do with with crypto going a little bit bonkers or is that just kind of the price of admission these days it's all tied together i always say when i when i've run businesses i always say look at the confidence index that's the most important thing because when people have confidence they'll spend money you know for when people have confidence i know my clients are going to buy our services in oodles because 
they will spend as soon as confidence kind of evaporates that's when everything kind of stops now i think the crypto thing is really interesting because basically what's happened is a lot of very uninformed people and i would say including myself have got involved in investing in crypto without truly understanding what it's all about now you know i'll give you an example as i was trying to explain to my wife why you need a wallet versus you know actually investment so it's like you know i i can't even kind of square that up fully myself and i'm you know somebody who i think is really you know and i'm sure lots of people are laughing at me but that indicates that actually the whole crypto market is very very complex and i think you know what's happened is people like coinbase and revolut and you know various others have made it easy to kind of get into the crypto space and you know that's their right to be able to do that but i think people have poured in because their friends have told them this is a good thing to do i mean i remember someone being like cardano's going to hit $3 and i'm like i went in and i bought cardano i'm like what was i thinking you know but you know i represent so many people in the world you know this is what kind of has happened but, but well, i i'm one of those people who who scanned the qr code for coinbase in this in the us super bowl and got my 25 by 25 dollars worth of bitcoin so it's you know what it's it's today no offense to any of the cryptocurrencies there's some that are of course very stable there's a lot that are kludgy it's like a fun house at a carnival. It looks really exciting. You want to go in. And then when you go in, you realize there's a lot of mirrors and there's some dark areas and you're not sure which way to go. And at some point, you and this is what I think happened, you just want to get out of the fun house because it's not fun anymore because you don't understand. And that's human nature. That's going to happen. There's actually a bigger thing at play that I think is really important, you know, to understand how we're going to solve it. And that's part of the Web3 Marketing Association's job is to have these conversations with really intelligent people who do understand and help brands, you know, develop their business cases on how to connect with the consumers in more meaningful ways in the spaces. Um, but the fundamental difference with this topic is that, and we actually experience this ourselves, Dave, when we, when we set up the Web3 Marketing Association was, you know, where is the center, center of crypto? Which government, which country is going to back the, the, you know, the rules, the regulations, the stability of a currency? A currency at its core has to have stability and current currencies that are non-crypto, the dollars in my purse, is based on, the stability is based on known economic factors over many years. Now we're talking about a ledger-based currency, 6,500 or so different fragmented ones that we no one human being has a pretty good pulse on who's actually backing the stability of those things. Um, and yeah, the, the, the idea that, you know, the ledger, the decentralization, it's a collective source, therefore everybody is, you know, backing it in some sort of way. Wow, that's a big, heady topic to get around, you know, when we've been backed by major global governments in the, in the you know, dollars stance. So I think, I think we're going to continue to have instability in crypto for, for quite some time until we do get the tie between um, financial institutions 
uh, or governments. And I do, it doesn't necessarily need to be a government, but it does need to be some sort of financial institution that, um, that, that helps with the stability nature of it. I think in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of funny that this, what exactly what you're saying mirrors a lot of the same conversations that came around when the U.S. was faced with GDPR as a construct in, you know, outside North America. And we're still struggling. Like we, we don't have that, that same thing. And it's no, cause nobody really wants to take that lead. And I think it's even worse from a crypto perspective, as you described, Carrie, because it's currency. And like yeah. that's a lot different <laughs> than, yes. pri- than privacy and your phone number. So, but there are a lot of really interesting kind of connections there in that same mindset. Um, I venture to say, Carrie, that people care more about currency than their privacy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a good, <laughs> good statement. Um, Carrie, you said something interesting about the carnival and the fun house. I lo- I'm going to actually steal that. Um, is it's the dark corners. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to I want to hit you with this, Dave. Is so there I've had quite a few acquaintances and friends who have been caught up in the Instagram crypto mining absolutely horrendous set of fraud that's been going through that. And, you know, in the last year, we've lost over a billion consumers have lost over a billion dollars due to crypto, due to crypto scams. And do you think that has had any effect on crypto going a little bit wonky? Or do you think that's just kind of part and parcel with there are always going to be bad actors and there's always going to be this happening? But I wonder Who's going to be the police? Who are going to be the police for things like that? I mean, I think again, it's a great question, and I think you know the reality is is some of these platforms need to do a better job of policing what content is on there. Frankly, I think you know you you talk about a billion. I mean, a billion's a drop in the ocean in terms of what kind of has been going on. So I think there's a lot of people kind of licking their wounds. But, you know, they're, they're kind of a sideshow compared to what is really going on. So, you know, I go back to the Terra Luna thing. I mean, you know, if that's bigger than the whole Bernard Madoff kind of, I mean, we're talking billions upon billions of, of, of dollars which have been lost. And that's not just a, a few individuals. That's, you know, a bunch of small investors who will have lost a lot of savings. So, you know, but I think, it, it, it kind of ties back to what, what Carrie was saying, is I think regulators need to kind of be coming to the party. And I think they're trying to come to the party. And actually, you know, if you look at what happened over the last few weeks or the last few days, actually, is it with Sharon Luna? I mean, some of that was probably triggered by, you know, the people who know what they're talking about, like Janet Yellen saying, you know, hang on, what the hell's going on here? You know, how, how do we kind of regulate all of this stuff? So I think regulation will have to kind of come in to protect the consumer because I think what people forget is the majority of what is going on in the crypto space is still limited to, in in sort of large-scale terms, to a few individuals, you know, in, in not like the general population. And I think the reality is, is we see the opportunity through the technology that Web3 
and crypto actually represents to completely change the world. But, you know, going back to that discussion between my wife and I about wallet versus kind of where the money's, you know, Coinbase versus wallet, all of that needs to be kind of resolved, to be honest with you, because consumers will not make head nor tail of all of this stuff. And until that con confusion is kind of resolved, I think the market is still very open to things like scams because it's easy to kind of persuade people that they need to be doing things if they don't understand what's going on. And I think, you know, I go back to this is where the platforms really need to step up and stamp all of this stuff out. Um, before we lose you, Dave, I want to get to um, a piece of sustainability where crypto is concerned. And one of the things that I've noticed, which I found kind of fascinating, is, you know, every as you say, it's it's a shiny object. It's things people, you know, you want to get into, you want to be interested in. But the amount of energy, the amount of emissions, the amount of e-waste that comes out of crypto is enormous. Like, insanely crazy. Um, just a couple statistics, the carbon footprint annualized for Bitcoin is the same as the carbon footprint for the Czech Republic. Um, that's pretty big. Um, to do one single Bitcoin transaction, the carbon, carbon footprint is equal to 2.7 million Visa transactions or 206,000 hours of YouTube. That is insane. Um, but the thing that I that I'm struggling with is the younger generations, the millennials, the Gen Zs, those who find this probably more fascinating than others to some degree, seem to not care that this has an environmental impact when that's part of their DNA, if you will. I'm making broad sweeping generalizations, of course, but it's it's confusing to me. Well, there's a few things in there. So, I mean, I'll give you another stat. One of the reasons that China shut down Bitcoin mining was because Bitcoin mining was taking up between 1% and 2% of the entire electricity of China. So, you know, I mean, that's just... So I think Czechoslovakia is probably actually on the small side. I mean, that's on the conservative side in terms of estimates. Absolutely, this has to change. And I think, you know, actually what you have is a real swell of commitment for a lot of people in the in the in the crypto market to actually change what is going on. So, you know, I think one of the mega trends you'll see over the next few years is is a a move away from, you know, that that huge kind of amounts of energy that people are using around us. And in actual fact, you know, um, the, the promise of crypto is about sort of very low energy kind of transactions, but it's something that you've got to bear in mind. But I think we have to kind of get serious about all of this thing. So, you know, I guess the good news is, is when you look at what is going on in terms of environmental solutions around crypto, it is generally young people who are kind of driving that because it's generally younger people who are in the crypto marketplace. So I, 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 I mean, I, I hope that's not a sort of sweep it, but I just think it's really unfair to point at the younger generation and say, you're the ones to, we all need to be solving this, to be honest with you. I mean, if you look at what has gone on in the crypto marketplace, it's not going to be the young people who've kind of made the biggest dents. It's going to be the, 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 you know, the 40 plus, you know, us people, we, the people who've kind of gone piled into this. So, you know, I think we need to kind of take a real reality check around that.
Oh yeah, I, I, I think everyone needs to really take stock in how this is all constructed for sure. I was just thinking it's such a strange dynamic yeah. with, with, with the mindset of the younger generation. I don't expect them to solve this. This is everyone's problem, everyone's no, I solution. I, mean, I, think, I think my point was one that I think young people, we point to young people and say they're savvy enough to kind of understand all of this. But, oh, okay, got it. I, I, yeah. honestly, I honestly don't think the average person, whether they're young or old, understands the carbon footprint of interacting with technology in general. It's not a crypto topic. It's an in general, as the world becomes more digitized, as we even think about the metaverse, as people play hours and hours of video games. I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of all of those people never think, oh, what's my carbon footprint today? You know what Apple should do, by the way? They give you that little screen time notification of how long you've been on the screen. Why don't, hey, here's a call to Apple right now. Why don't you, they give us, uh, the people who are obsessed with using all of our technology, a little notification on what our carbon footprint was this week and what maybe we could do to reduce that and, you know, save, save some ozone layers. That is an awesome idea. Great, great idea. But, you know, one of the things that, like, the finance industry is starting to do is to say, well, how do we involve consumers in understanding things like carbon footprints? So, you know, there is actually applications. So there's a company called Kogo, for instance, who are putting embedding carbon transaction data into mobile banking apps. So based on your transactions, you can see how much carbon you're using. I think Apple should do it because of their Apple's reach. But I think, you know, the crypto industry needs to start looking at things like that and saying, well, how do we kind of make sure we measure, measure up to that? Thank you so much, David. This was, it was greatly appreciated. And I know we're going to be talking again. So thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. So, so Carrie, now we're going to, we're going to pick up, we're going to pick up the ball where we left it a few minutes ago. So with everything that's happened, that is now happening, you know, with crypto, I'm kind of wondering, do, what kind of a, what kind of knock-on effect does this have to Web3? And how do you see, just in the short amount of time, have you seen anything interesting happening with crypto having an effect on anything else that's Web3? Absolutely. If you think about, uh, talk about the metaverse type experiences, because the metaverse doesn't really exist yet as it's in, fully envisioned. But the metaverse type experiences, you know, the, today many of them, uh, majority of them, require a wallet. The, the concept of people understanding, I have to get a wallet, I have to use it to sign in. It's pretty smart, actually, because they're basically saying to you, we're going to charge you something to do something. And that's not a new concept. I mean, video games have been doing it for years and years and years and years and years. I mean, the old school, you know, back to the fair example, you carried coins, you bought tickets, you put more money in the machine to play the game. And whether it's an actual game or, you know, the game of life, that's kind of the, you know, the metaphor here. It, crypto is just a new way uh, to engage and, um, you know, 
add value to your experience, no matter what it is. And, you know, there's B2B sectors. There's a lot of B2B sector examples of where blockchain, um, crypto, um, currency is, is helping to improve, actually, very age-old problems that have been around for a really long time. And then there's the, you know, the B2C side, the, the consumer side, where we're just in the very beginning of understanding how crypto uh, informs a different consumer experience, whether it be fully digital or whether it be a hybrid type experience, we're, we're literally in the alpha stage of that. How do we solve some of those problems and how do we take the walk from where we are today to where we ultimately want to go and how do we help brands understand how to get there? So it's early. We're seeing, we're seeing a lot of different examples in Web3, clearly the metaverse gets the biggest headlines because, you know, the it's in the brand side of the world, whether that be ad age or, or whatever. Um, but there's, a, there's definitely other you know, Web3 topics, especially in the financial services, uh, et cetera, where I think there's real problems that can be solved by leveraging new you know, technology and currency approaches. Um, I, I want to jump over to, to more, some more positive pieces to, to the, the crypto world, um, because that there is some interesting stuff going on that, that I was unaware of until just recently. So NBA sponsorship, what is it these days about big brands going after sports? You have Amazon going after NFL and, and Black Friday doing a game on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And then you have crypto.com who they renamed the Lakers stadium to crypto.com. They've re renamed the Miami heat arena as FXT. There's a lot of money going into sponsorships from the crypto side. Um, Samsung just spun up. This is just this week. Samsung just spun up their discord server, their own discord server to, to start supporting their web three plans. What are the, what are the more positive, like the, the things that you can see in the distance and you're like, I know this is going to be, this is going to be good. So remember these brands haven't been around a really long time and branding 101 is how do I build trust with people and building trust with people in a digital-only sense. The irony is building trust in a digital-only sense with a digital-only product is, I think, not possible. Uh, we are still human beings. We still value in-person experiences, gathering, fandom, uh, large entertainment events, etc. And those experiences have always been always been valuable experiences for brands to be present to reinforce that they have a right to be there to get that impression at a moment when you might be relaxed and in a in a space where you're open to receiving it versus maybe stressed or doing something else. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why the brand building and those experiences have, have actually lived the test of time. And that's actually coming from a digital advertising person. Um, but it, it comes down to trust, honestly. Uh, this, the second thing is uh, scale. 
you're seeing all of you're seeing all of these companies online as well, no doubt. They're, it's not that they're not there. It's just that these experiences that you reference, many of them, are where there are a lot of eyeballs and a lot of eyeballs that are um, you know kind of leaning forward, as I mentioned. So uh, to me, it it doesn't it does it makes total sense. It's not uh, askew in terms of a, a strategy for those companies. What I what I think is quite interesting, and I believe you referenced it at least on our prep call, is when the crypto companies can cross the cross the chasm, so to speak, um, and take their take their product and show people in those experiences how to leverage it in real time. And I think we're really, 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 really early in terms of having those be authentic and meaningful. Remember, Web3, like gaming, and gaming is is basically the super roadmap to how we need to think about Web3. The number one thing in Web3 that people will require, because again, it's quote unquote, and I use quote unquote very specifically, decentralized. So therefore, the community uh, should have a lot more say. Well, authenticity and trust are the two big center pieces of this entire topic. And so well and that's to, the whole concept of 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 the blockchain. It is a yes. trusted ledger. It's not a ledger, right. it's a trusted ledger. Until and you know things get hacked into to your exa- Instagram. Exactly. Example. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So so how you know two steps forward, one step back kind of a thing. Or if it's the other way around, I'm not sure. But that's the whole issue is when you get those stories in the news that say, oh, there was a hack. Oh, you know, there's a drop in valuation. And then that trust erodes and then they have to get back out there and build trust. And this is not a sprint. This is 100% a marathon. Oh, yeah. And they And they all know it. So And so does the venture world. If you look at, you know, the venture investment in, in terms of um, this area, Web3, Metaverse, Crypto, NFT, uh, it's it's been very hot in the last year. The question yeah. remains: Will it remain hot? Uh, will it cool down? W- are we just in a little bit of a trough? What, what what I think is interesting, you know, you you and I are are both of a of a similar age, and we were in the middle of Web two. We yes. were also in the middle of the dot com boom. Yes. back in the day. Yeah, so. For me, I use a lot of what I learned in in those respects to to help me make sense of Web3. Um, Do you think that there is kind of enough historical on how Web2 was constructed? There are some some good guideposts and, you know, some wayfinding that we can use to to tackle Web3? Yes, for sure. And you remember one of the most interesting moments uh, of after you know the 2000 time period and in the early days of of the 2000s post the bust was the idea that double click could be a trusted unbiased measurement platform or currency and that one company let alone a few others we could probably name together in web2 bingo we should create that game that'd be funny <laughs> it helped create an industry that felt they could trust the data or the numbers, so they invested. And 
DoubleClick remained unbiased, you know, as an independent company up until the point when Google bought them. And so one of these interesting inflection points in the past is something that we should think about for Web3 is the biggest companies trying to build these ecosystems, none of them are unbiased. <laughs> No, they aren't. No, and and they're pretty much all walled gardens, and they kind of have to be for a, many good reasons. Uh, they they do work interoperably with the industry. So the question is, and I don't have good answers right now, is what's the next double click that's going to help us, D or do we need one, or have we have we moved past that point? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because one of the you know, one of the things that was bubbling in my head, like f another thing that's in the news a lot the past couple of weeks has been fraud, be it yes. ad fraud, be it whatever. So, you know, you can't swing a cat without hitting some kind of story about some major fraud. And this goes back to, you know, who do you trust and who can be that kind of Switzerland, if that's you will. Um, so are, are we expecting from a, you know, from a Web3 fraud, I don't even want to just talk crypto. I just mean Web3 overall. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see um, the our industry and brands working with, say, trade bodies? Yes. Um, you know the trade bodies we're yes. used to, and but do you have the confidence that we will be able to create that neutrality? I mean, like I said, we tried to do that with GDPR, and everybody kind of went, "It's too hard," and the U.S. doesn't care. So moving along, yeah, um, we have a hard time collaborating. So how do you see that? falling together because we do need you do need the ability to say I trust you and you are not in someone's back pocket. Yes, I do and 100% do see the trade organizations we are used to working with today leaning in. How fast is the question, but I do see them leaning in. I already see them having, you know, behind closed door type discussions about these topics, no doubt. But you remember the types of companies that are working in the early Web3 space aren't at the same scale as, you know, your, your video um, or entertainment or TV, whatever you want to call it, analog, CTV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even the gaming industry is significantly bigger um, out of home, search, et cetera. So the, the channels that we're talking about are, are significant and are growing, but they're not as significant as the constituencies of the current you know, problems to be solved. And there are still some problems to be solved. I mean, think about it. CTV is a little bit of like a um, what's a canary in the coal mine, if you will. Yeah. Um, the fact that there's no unified ID, the fact that they're all, you know, these fragmented platforms, the fact that they, you know, all come together and say they all want to get along, but do they really? And some of them do and some of them don't. I mean, doesn't that kind of sound familiar? And Just a so, little bit. I, you know, we're still trying to solve that and thinking that there's this utopian, you know, Web3 situation that's going to occur on its own because everybody's just going to, you know, have a really positive attitude and get along. That is happening. I know some metaverse type companies that are trying to work with each other on interoperability, no doubt. 
but it, but overall what you and I know the industry expect is much more than that much more transparency much more auditability much more rigor around if I give you a dollar what do I get in return right Right. And um, so that will require an industry body. Yeah, and, and there's no other and, way around it. Yeah, and that and that that kind of hits my last question, and that's um, that's blockchain for ad for advertising and marketing, and that's one of those things. It's the you know the lift all boats, and to your point, you want to know your dollar is being spent as a dollar and not nineteen cents at the end of the day. So. There was about what four years ago, so 2018, when Media Ocean and IBM and Mindshare Group M started to kind of frame that out. It was working. I saw it. It was pretty crazy and pretty amazing. And you could just see the promise of that. But I don't think at that point the market was ready to be that it transparent. Wasn't. No. So What's it going to take to kind of push that one over the edge? Because you could just see how powerful that is and how much more efficient we could be as marketers to have that in our, in our toolkits. Yeah, you know, sometimes in my past, I was the chief innovation officer for Group M in my past, and so I, I feel pretty proud that we did a lot of very innovative work, no doubt. But on the other hand, uh, it, sometimes Group M or WPP or, or, or all the holding companies can kind of work like, you know, government in a way. They're very, very large organizations. Um, you know, they might have bureaucracy, whatever the case may be. So uh, back in the time you were talking about, the lead for uh, the global blockchain solutions for Group M was, he's known as G-Man. Now, what he did was think about the, the idea that, you know, how, how many years he worked at WPP. He's absolutely a passionate supporter of WPP. He loved it. But he could, he could move faster and be more nimble by, by going outside. And he did. So he created Achilles, and he's able to really move, you know, in the direction the industry needs to move. Not saying the holding companies can't, but having your tech outside of it, you know, certainly helps. So Achilles, their aim is really to think about the Web3 um, blockchain challenges for the marketing industry. And thinking about the creator economy related to that, starting with target audiences, et cetera. And he's been able to make some really significant, and here's the startup journey, some really significant moves and strategic partnerships with major telcos, et cetera. Once you get those external partners aligned outside of the major holding companies, and that's the work that he's doing. He, he works with the holding companies then and says, listen, I've got a quorum. We're, we're getting this thing moving. And it's much easier, you know, I think, for them to lean in at that point because yep. he's doing the hard work. You know, I was the, just going to say the same thing. Hurting the cats. Yep. He's doing <laughs> you know? the hard yards and delivering it up and saying, here, what do you want to do with this? So, um, so I'm excited about the work that he's doing. I'm excited that the Web3 Marketing Association can benefit from insights, which we do. 
every week. He his his drive to help us understand, okay, where globally are these centers of excellence or these governments that are willing to support crypto centers because they exist? Where are you know governments more supportive in helping them understand the regulation that they're going to be developing or already have? developed in order to stabilize the currencies or governments that allow or don't allow people, and this exists, to buy NFTs because they're either stable or not stable. So having that guidance from experts like G-Man is incredibly important in these early days to make sure we continue, like we talk about, on our walk it's a walk, uh, our journey from where we are now to, you know, eventually where we can realize some really significant, you know, scalable applications. Thank you so much for your time. This, there was so much to unpack here. Like I can't even, my head hurts, <laughs> but your insights have, have just been eye-opening. So work subscribers, you can listen to all of our other work talks on work.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to Work Talks, hit the subscribe on your podcast platform of choice below. Thanks for listening today. <laughs>